This is the WTF Bach Podcast. This is the podcast about all things Johann Sebastian Bach. Brought to you by Evan Shinners. WTF Bach. Brought to you by Evan Shinners. Join WTF Bach as he guides your mind through a contrapuntal journey. And now, here's WTF Bach. Hey, it's WTF Bach. Evan Shinners here. The goal of this podcast is to hear Bach the way I hear this music. The idea behind the WTF Bach podcast is to break down this ornate, baroque, elaborate, very detailed, very complicated music and to help you appreciate it by bringing an understanding to sort of the principles, the construction, the beauty behind it. And we are quite deep in the Art of Fugue. In fact, we are at a canon. We are discussing the third canon in the Art of Fugue. So why are we at the third canon? Well, the Art of Fugue, this giant, sprawling, life-giving, life-taking work, is divided up into what people refer to as chapters of fugues. And at the end of this entire piece, after all the chapters, after 14 fugues, Bach has this sort of appendix. It's like a, by the way, you could also do this. You could also make canons on the same subject. And that is very similar to the Goldberg variations on the last page where Bach writes 14 additional canons, which could be made on the bass line. Again, 14, the number 14, this is Bach's number. And what I find super interesting about the Goldberg variation one is that at the end of canon number 14, Bach writes, etc. That, that's the great, that's the great word there. It's like, okay, if you didn't think Bach did enough, you can also continue in this idiom of making canons based on this. And so now in the Art of Fugue, we've got after 14 fugues, we have four canons. So if we go back to the original print, the story of the original print, Bach was dead, the family was going broke, and fugues were not exactly breaking the charts in Leipzig at the time, so the family, sort of in a hurry, haphazardly put together the work in the best way they thought they could, but they didn't quite understand it as well as we do now more than 250 years later. Now, the family in haste put the canons in the wrong order and in the wrong place. But we in the modern era have more or less agreed that there are two appropriate places for the canons to go. At the end of every single fugue, as sort of this postscript, as sort of this farewell thought, or the by the way, you could do this, or to punctuate the chapters. And since here in this podcast, I am not waiting to finish discussing all 14 fugues before I introduce the first canon, I have been introducing canons one at a time after each chapter. And since the last fugue we discussed was fugue 11, which was the last fugue in the chapter of compound fugues, we are now on the third canon. The canons in the Art of Fugue, like the fugues in the Art of Fugue, are organized in terms of least complicated to most complicated. So the first canon, if you recall, was based on the unison. So that is the same note, A, an octave apart. I say it's based on the unison, it comes an octave apart. You could say it's the canon at the octave in counterpoint at the unison. I'll tell you why in one second. The next was the 
canon at the tenth, in counterpoint at the third. There is the same music at two different times now at this interval of the tenth. You notice all parallel tenths. So it is called the canon at the tenth in counterpoint at the third for this reason. In music, if you count from do re mi, you could say instead of do re mi, you could say one, two, three. And by the time you get to eight, you could start over and count one. Five, six, seven, eight, or one. Why? Because this is both C. This is the same note. So in Bach, in this canon, we are in D minor now, and we count from D one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, which is one, which is the canon at the octave with counterpoint at the unison, and eight, nine, ten, or one, two, three, which is the third, which is counterpoint at the third. In the canon of the tenth, if you've been counting, our next canon will, yes, be at the twelfth. This is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, which is to say, eight, one, two, three, four, five. This is counterpoint at the fifth. The triplet theme that we had. Right, that's triplet, 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 trip, and this one. As soon as the answer came in, we had... So, continuing with that triplet theme, we have now this as our dukes, as the subject, as the leader in this canon at the twelfth. So that is the theme, and yes, my... C-sharp is painfully out of tune, though the rest of the piano was tuned. That's just the way the cookie crumbles, I guess. Um, you have. This is an elaboration of the theme of the Art of Fugue. This, that initial jump of the fifth is now fleshed out into this. But it's the same music. In fact, if I were to play the subject of the Artifugue at the same time as the subject of this canon at the 12th, it would sound like this. In fact, I've never done that. That's pretty exciting. Let's, let's hear that again. Well, let's switch hands. Okay, so now I'm going to play the fleshed out subject in the right hand and the artifugue in the left hand. That's pretty fascinating music. Okay, all that music, that fleshed out subject, will be imitated exactly a perfect twelfth above. And it will sound like this. Thank you. 
That is essentially the principle behind this canon. The same music, up a 12th. Let's dissect it further. If I am going to figure out exactly how and where this canon is made, I have to figure out sort of the first utterance, the exactly where it stops repeating itself. Now I happen to know that this canon goes for 24 bars and then something exciting happens. So now I'm going to play the first 24 bars of the left hand, which is the leader in this case. That's 24 bars. And the reason I played it sort of metronomically is because I wanted to do this. I wanted to copy and paste that exact audio file that I just created, and I wanted to pitch it up a 12th so that we can hear the principle of Bach executed by a computer, just to show you how, in fact, mathematically sound the principle is. Evidently, it was not metronomic enough. So now here's me actually playing to a metronome, and let's retry the experiment. That is pretty cool. That is literally the same music copied and pasted and then put at the right time and pitched up the interval of a perfect 12th. And there were some strange notes in there which sounded wonky, which sounded sort of weird. That's where Bach made the aesthetic adjustment to change it from a perfect fifth, say, to an augmented fifth or a diminished fifth by adding an accidental, adding a sharp or a flat. But what happened to that music that was sort of played in the pitched up version at the end where there was nothing underneath it. Well, why don't I play what would have continued in the left hand. And that is where the original line would have ended. Now that is a very interesting point, because at that moment, the canon shifts from the interval of the 12th to 
to the interval of the octave, and we have this. We have the right hand, who was at once the follower, now becoming the leader, with the same thing that the left hand said at the beginning. In other words, it's this. There, at that point, instead of coming in with this, the left hand comes in with the very octave itself. So that's, that's the same music. Now, functioning on the same note, D at the octave, or in this case in the double octave, that used to be able to function at the twelfth. So how Bach is able to do this with these shapes and with this music, how he's able to find an elaboration of... that works on two simultaneous intervals and this is just absolutely breathtaking for me. I mean, this is really like one of the greatest minds at work right here. Let's listen to a recording and I will talk my way over what's going on. There's the Duke's statement. Now the imitation at 12 here. Here's the end of the original material. The left hand is now playing unique stuff. And now the right hand picks up the theme. Now the left hand at the octave now. Now there, the right hand is now playing the original material that the left hand played, thus completing the circle, closing the canon. And here's the end, there, and there's a coda. Credential counterpoint. Okay, that could obviously only be the great Gustav Lanhart. I felt sort of weird talking over it. Maybe I'll play his recording without my blabbering at the end. So yes, just as Bach leaves no stone unturned, that original material which appeared first in the left hand... <laughs> ...now 
will come back and be imitated. And in fact, in the right hand, and it comes at the octave. Again, this stuff is him adjusting. And it is at this point that I tell you that something very strange happens in this canon that I can't exactly figure out. And though I may be your guide to this contrapuntal journey, I certainly haven't figured out every little trick. And what I'm referring to is this little moment here. And if you look carefully through all of these canons in the Art of Fugue, you will notice that pretty much every single little stream of bubbling music comes from a different point in the piece. Everything is recycled, every single thing. The one part that I can't find that is recycled is this. It's that you have this, and that, that never comes in any other part in the piece. And I have a theory of sort of what's going on, but yet I don't even understand how it works. This is all kosher, as you would say. But at this point in the piece, the right hand, if it were continuing in the fashion of imitating, would actually play this. However, it plays, instead of this, it plays. Okay, so it sounds very similar, but there's something that happened there. He inserted a bar. This bar here is sort of inserted, and then he goes back to what the right hand should be playing, but now it's transposed, again, by the fifth. I just don't understand exactly how that works. It's really sort of like the balance has been upset by one bar. This bar in the left hand continues just with the theme. But this sort of added bar in the right hand seems to bring everything to, to a conclusion. Now, what I don't understand there is how only one bar could make everything symmetrical because Bach has waited religiously eight bars every time before something enters. So the fact that one bar could somehow smooth everything out, it's really something that I don't understand. But I have a theory, which is that this bar is the inversion of this following bar, which it is. If I were to play that a fifth down, we would have... But I just don't understand how exactly that fits in. So there is something missing, something that I'm missing. And I want to bring you this episode before I can figure it out because I'm not exactly sure if I can figure out what is going on there, but something very sneaky. All right, let's listen to an electrified version and then to Mr. Leonhardt again. And thank you very much for listening. <laughs> Thank mm -hmm. you.
can support Evan at patreon.com slash WTFBOP. If you want to partner with the WTFBOP podcast, write us. Send us a donation on Venmo, Cash App, or PayPal at WTFBOP. Find the links in the episode description. It might be rainy out there, so thank you for listening to that. You, you don't even know how thankful we are for you to listen to our podcast. <laughs>